There, this is A.D. Robles, and you're listening to A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. All right, all right. Well, let's uh, continue our our uh, response, review, watch party of Dr. Eric Mason's TED Talk on biblical reparations. He He's really, he's into this. He's been defending this. He's been doubling down and all that kind of stuff. And so let's see how far we can get today. Now, I just want to... Just a quick response to to some people in the comments section. A lot of people think I talk too much. That I need to let him talk more. And um, yeah, you're probably right. I do talk too much. <laughs> I wonder how many words I've said on YouTube at this point. Just like total. How many words do you think old AD has said on YouTube? I mean, it's got to be millions and millions. I, I don't know. I don't know how to count that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, that's how we do it here on the YouTube channel. I, I will I will try my best to let him complete his thoughts but sometimes things just just pop into my mind and I just have to say them otherwise I'll forget them so that's how we do it here if you don't like it I'm sorry about that um, but uh, it, the good news is the good news is if you do want to hear all of Eric Mason's wisdom uninterrupted that's very possible to do you can go to his YouTube channel in fact give him a little help give give a brother a little help I'm gonna go ahead and uh, like this video uh, go go ahead, give it a video, give his video a like. It's uh, epiphanyfellowship.com. He he has about two and a half thousand subscribers. Give the guy a little help, you know. Go ahead and uh, see here it is right here, Epiphany Fellowship. Go ahead and give him a little bit of help. I think that would be very nice, you know. We've gotten a lot of entertainment from this TED Talk, and so it's only fair to give his channel a like. Go ahead and subscribe. I'll subscribe. Here we go. Give him a little subscribe. I'll even hit the notifications bell and get all the notifications whenever he drops some new pearls of wisdom. So let's jump into it today and see how far we can get. Type of reparation. Look all of this up. It's all in here. Oh, by the way, so this is where (laughs) I've already broke my rule, by the way, but uh, I wanted to say this. So I was looking up some of the references. He said, look it up. So I, you know, when someone, you know, on the stage says, look it up, it's polite to look it up. And so I looked it up about this reparations. You know, he was talking about the Tuskegee experiments, the, you know, the, the, the internment camps and stuff like this. I'm almost 100% sure that his reference for this is Vox.com. Because if you look at – there's an article on reparations on Vox.com, which is like, you know, the pagan of the pagan sources, right? I'm not – it's okay that he's, he's – but if you look at the way that this article is written, it's in order – Everything he said about reparations is in there, like the numbers, the the money amounts, the dollar amounts, and he does it in order from from uh, from Holocaust to the internment camps to what uh, the South Africa. It's see, he basically is like reading off of Vox.com. I'm pretty sure that probably on his iPad here is Vox.com. It's pretty interesting because he makes it seem like he did all this research, but it's really just just a Vox.com article. I'll I'll try to remember to put the link in this video uh, section, the comment section here. It's pretty funny, I thought. Operations, the the, the District of Columbia Emancipation Act. I could go on and on and on. And and, and somebody said, what about 30 acres and 40 acres in the mill? Well, President Johnson had the land returned it to the Confederates. He gave us 40 acres in the Mule family and then had the, re- the Confederates retu- return the property that was supposed to be ours. As a matter of fact, when slave owners got out of slavery, they gave them acres of land. One, one man got 80 acres in Texas Ooh. and still his family is financially benefiting off of his reparations to this day. I could go on and on and on and on and on with reparations in the way 
there have been in unequitable ways in which America has slapped black people in the face by the way it's been treated. But it's not black saying- people, though, because remember, like he's 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 talking about all these examples of reparations for the and they were wronged. People were wronged and they didn't get reparations or they did get reparations, but not enough. But the thing is, Eric Mason has never been that person. He's pretending to be that person. He wants the stacks, even though he didn't go through it. So it's just like every biblical example, every biblical law, every passage and every example he used from history actually works against his case that he should somehow get some stacks or some drip or some whatever it is. Um, it's just amazing. He can't help it because he can't. There are there are no examples of doing the thing that he's attempting to do. And even if there were examples, it would still be against biblical law because biblical law is very very clear. The person who commits the crime is the one who makes restitution to the ones who he committed the crime against. It's very clear in biblical law. That's that's a, that's a standard that it's you you can't you can't counter it. You can't deny it. It's undeniable. Um, and so even if he could find examples, I could easily just counter with, yeah, but it goes against God's law, and a Christian should not be advocating things that go against God's law. It's just that simple. Say in America, because I think the church should be leading this effort. Now, why should the church be leading this effort? It should be leading the, the, the reparations effort because <clears throat> the slave ships, there's slave ships that came over here that were led by people who were calling themselves Christians. So reparations need to be comprehensive, though, not just economic. Listen to this. So the Christians should be the ones leading the effort because Christians were the ones on the slave ship. And so Christians, I guess, is an oppressor group. If, you, if you're following along with the, the, the way this all works, Christianity is an is a, is a oppressor group, which, which if Eric Mason was consistent, he'd have to agree with that. He'd have to agree with that. And so there's Christian privilege. And so the Christians have to do this because it's the Christian's privilege. But the thing is, though, Eric Mason is a Christian, you would assume. So maybe he should – those are his people that, are, that were on the slave ships that were, uh, that were enslaving the Africans. He's got to own that. Once you were not a people, now you are a people. So Eric Mason is in that oppressor community of Christians. So he should be the one giving money to people that are, I guess, what, what, what were the Africans when they came back? Were they pagans? Were they Christians? Well, what were they? So you see, there's, these categories, they're, they're, never really, they're never really clean, crisp categories, right? Because if you're going to go with the whole narrative of Christians and Christian privilege, well, Eric Mason is, is benefiting from Christian privilege. And so he should be the one leading this forefront of paying reparations for the, for the, for the, the slave ships that his people, as Christians, because, Eric, your people are Christians, right? The, your people were the ones who enslaved them, right? That's how this narrative goes, right? But actually, Eric Mason identifies more with his blackness, and so that's that. His people are black people. That's that's when he says "my people," he's talking about other blacks. That's an unchristian viewpoint. That's not how you do this. When 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 you when he talks about his people, he should be talking about Christians. So he's got to own that. If Christians were the ones running the slave ships and they owe reparations, which they don't, obviously categories uh, of people don't owe uh, rep restitution for anything because that's not how God's law works. But if they did, Eric Mason would be in the category of someone who owes money to someone else. I guess owe it to himself, maybe? I, I don't know how this works. That's how, it's all insane. It's all insane. You see, that's another, that's another way you know it's not God's law because God's law can't be reduced to absurdity. And this gets so absurd. The reparations get so absurd. Like my, my background is 60% European 
20% African, 20% native. And so I guess I my 60% part pays my 20% part. How much? I don't really know. Maybe they only pay 60% or, or 20%. Or how much benefit do I get? Do I get 20%, 60%, 40%? Because, you know, we stole the natives' land, too. So maybe I get 40%. You see, it's absurd. The whole thing is absurd. Why should rep reparations be comprehensive and not just economic? I'm not saying not economic or money. <laughs> I'm saying in the Bible, a lot of their reparations was Don't get, was don't get it twisted. He wants the money, too. Economic <laughs> alone. But one of the things that's very, very important is so listen, listen. Um, he 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 can't help but leave the Bible. See what he's saying? In the, in the Bible, it was economic alone, economic alone. But he wants more than money. He wants money. Yes, don't get it twisted. He wants those stacks. But uh, the Bible only talks about stacks if you're going with his narrative. I'm not believing any of this nonsense. None of that was reparations. But if you're going with his narrative, the Bible talks about monetary compensation. But it's not enough for Eric. It's not enough for Eric because Eric isn't going with the Bible here. He calls this a biblical case, but it's not. This is Eric Mason's case. It's, it's really, it's Tahanisi Coates, Tahanisi Coates uh, case and Vox.com's case. That's really what it is. So he wants more than, than stacks, even though the Bible only talks about stacks, he wants more. See, this is how a covetous heart works. It's always something else. It's always more. How much does he want? Well, just a little bit more. That's how covetousness works. This is a sermon dripping with covetousness. He can't stay with the Bible because the Bible doesn't give him what he covets. He wants it. He wants those stacks. He wants the counseling. He wants the whole nine. Let's just see, let's hear what he wants because this is where he gets a little crazy. Reparations has to fit what's been lost. So what 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 has been lost has to be repaired. The 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 core meaning of reparations is to repair because the offenses. Listen, the offenses against blacks have been comprehensive so let, let's 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 do a list let's do a list during slavery let's do a list during post-slavery and let's do a list during current day let's do it let's do a family slavery we were kidnapped exported as property removed from our heritage black sexuality we became a sexualized being to to the white man and white woman beat our culture out of us personal dignity stripped, caused spiritual divisiveness between us and those who would call themselves our spiritual brothers, a total breaking down of the family structure, manhood destroyed, womanhood destroyed, children stripped of their innocence and upbringing, economic disenfranchisement, and created and fostered a culture of hatred that exists in our context to this day, post-slavery. We got segregation for uprooting the economy of thriving black communities across the nation, from Atlanta to Black Wall Street, uh, uh, the Greenwood section of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Washington, D.C., uh, uh, Chicago, Illinois, Harlem, you name the Chicago, uh, 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 different uh, L.A., different economic hotspots were uprooted because of jealousy and frustration and a desire for subjugation. Not only that, gentrification is an issue in post-slavery, even to this day. Justification is, is actually a, a, a today problem, but then we go to unlawful, <laughs> uh, unlawfully locking up black. Yeah. Men. So what's the what's the restitution, uh, the biblical restitution for gentrification? Show, show me the scripture. Show me the proverb. Show me the uh, show me the, the 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 prophecy. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Don't hold your breath if you're waiting for that one. You'll never hear it. You'll just never hear it. Um, 
this is a nice list, but 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 you know, and some of this stuff is very sad, you know, no question about it. Some of this stuff is very hard to hear. You know what I mean? You ever read a book about slavery and, and stuff like that? And if you if you believe the worst of the narratives, which you know, there's always debates on on how bad it was, how good it was, how peaceful it was, how violent it was. But let's just believe the the worst of it, right? Let's believe the worst of it. Everything he's saying here is 100% accurate and and even worse. Let's say. So what's the restitution? What's owed? What's owed? Because you've already admitted that the Bible talks about money, paying back money, goods gold silver that kind of stuff and so but but you want to go further you want more you want more than what the bible itself says how could you call this a biblical case for anything because you you just abuse the text nothing in the bible has 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 promoted what you seem to be promoting here how could you call this a biblical without blushing how could you do that a black people rather it sounds like talcum x that uh that uh, sean sean king that's what this sounds. This is this is this is this is a Sean King case for reparations. This isn't the biblical case for anything. Crimes they didn't commit, psychological damage of slavery, right? Current day gentrification. You're, try, cause you're trying to tell me because this is this is what this is what Eric Mason's trying to get you to believe. Like he's trying to get you to believe that the psychological damage, the uh, the uh, the sexualization of people, like the the trauma, the emotional trauma. This is all new. Like that, like God didn't know about that back in Israel's time. So like in Israel's time, when people were enslaved and stuff like that, there was no psychological trauma. No, there was nothing like that. There was no fi- familial breakdowns or anything like that. There was nothing like that. No, the uh, slaves weren't sexualized in Bible times. There was nothing like that because if if God had known about that, he would have certainly put in uh, counseling or other kinds of reparations in the law of Israel. That this is what you're being told here. Like like I want you to really kind of kind of kind of think about what would need to be true in order for Eric Mason's perspective here to actually be accurate because he wants more than cash. He wants that those stacks, but he wants more. He wants other things because there's trauma connected to African slavery that that I guess in the old days they didn't have. That that's that's preposterous. That's preposterous. We can see in the old times that that slavery was no picnic. That's the that's the that's the uh the idea that people give you, like, oh, Roman slavery was just great. It was just like employment. It was, it was, it was wonderful. And it's like, that's, are you serious? Yeah, I'm sure back in the day, slavery was actually way better. It was like, it was probably just like, you know, me clocking into work. That's probably what slavery was like back in, in Jesus' time. That's crazy, guys. Like, do you, do you, do you really think? And then, and then furthermore, think about it this way too. Let's just say it was. Let's just say slavery was great back then. So um, God didn't have to worry back then about the emotional trauma and the family breakdowns and the sexualization of people. He didn't have to worry about that for then. But you see, God is God and he knows all things and he knows the future because he created the future. He commands the future. So you don't think God would give us a little bit of a hint that maybe one day there's going to be this African slave trade. It's going to be like nothing the world has ever seen before. It's going to be way worse than slavery back then. And so here's what restitution looks like. You don't think he would give us some hints? It's like the same argument where it's like, like, okay, there was no homosexuals, you know, like, like the way we understand it back in the day. Right. And so, but so, so, and, 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 and so God didn't, wasn't talking about that. But like, you don't think he knew that eventually there was going to be loving homosexual like like th- it's just so it beggars belief like like there's nothing really consistently Christian about this presentation at all when you think about it 
Like, why would anyone believe this? Like, like uh, God just didn't know about the trauma. He didn't know about the trauma that was coming, so he didn't give us any, he didn't even give us a clue in the Bible about, you know, the counseling that's required because of all the emotional trauma. Get, get real, Eric. Come on, man. This isn't new. Slavery always has all kinds of issues associated with it, familial breakdowns and things of that nature. This is this is how it is. I mean, even if, if you look at the law of God in the Old Testament, it actually addresses some of this stuff about uh, how the families, uh, you know, there's issues within the families. And if a, a man wants to stay with his family, he doesn't want his kids sold, what, what does he do and stuff like that? Like, like it's just, it's all, it's all there. And, 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 and common sense tells you that slavery back then was not fun. Right, it was no picnic. It was probably pretty brutal. So it's like <laughs> the things that you have to believe. You, you have to really, you have to really suspend all rationality in order to buy into a, a, a presentation like this. It's just so preposterous. It's so preposterous. This is the perfect word. It's preposterous. Dropping the property value in neighborhoods like this, where we live. And then people come in and then the people who've been here for generations can't benefit or they've been written so long and there's been so much of a destruction of the culture here that they haven't been able to make 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 use of the opportunity and their house may be may have been bought back in the day for twenty five thousand dollars nowadays the house is probably worth uh uh uh, uh, uh 250 to six hundred thousand dollars a developer comes in to an, uh, a person that's not really educated about what they're uh, supposed to be getting and people just constantly let the city even letting some cities even letting uh, um, developers come in and undercut not setting rules and for giving fair market value for properties but people coming in and buying them say we'll give you we'll give you we'll give you hundred and twenty thousand dollars and and let you go but then not realizing that there's not much better than what they can get for hundred and twenty thousand dollars after they sell the house that they had and then that person flips the house puts a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in it and they sell it for, for for five times the cost and when you put all of that together they have been absolutely unadulteratedly economically disenfranchised then all of a sudden you have coffee shops in the community. People walking dogs and jogging and black folk are being looked at and now preyed upon by police because the police didn't come around there when we was in the community. But now that somebody else is in the community, they're down in the community because the community changed. But then that's the inequity cycle in our community. And the schools were closed, but soon as white folk move in the community, now the schools reopen and they have grand openings to get all this money poured in all because the Negroes are gone. Why don't you calm down? You know what I mean? Because you don't know what you're talking about you don't know what you're talking about um so what's the what's the biblical solution here because this is the biblical case right for reparations right so what's the biblical solution for someone not knowing the value of their of their property or not having the skill set to um in, you know put money into it and increase the value and stuff like that what's what's the biblical solution there right you should calm down Yeah, the biblical solution is probably not to um, do what you can to educate people about the value of property and things like that and, um, you know, how to negotiate and things like that. That's probably not the biblical solution. No, no, no. The biblical solution is to do to engage in price setting, right? So you can't sell your property for, for unless it's this much, right? That's probably it. Probably something like minimum wage, right? I mean, the, the rhetoric is good, and he's obviously very emotional about it. But if somebody 
if somebody buys something from me, let me try to think of a of a, of, a, of an analogy here. Like, I'm trying to think if I if I had to sell my house, right? And somebody comes into my to my area and says, and I want to sell my house for I don't know, let's say one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And somebody comes to me and says, I'll buy your house for two hundred thousand dollars. That's a great deal. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, wow, I I only wanted one hundred and fifty thousand for this. That's a great deal. And so I sell it for $200,000. I walk away. I feel good about it. The, the person who bought it for me walks away. They feel good about it. You see, the thing is like they preferred to have the house than they preferred to have their $200,000. I don't really know why because from my perspective, I'd rather have the $200,000 than the house. It's like this is weird because like, we're both feeling good about this. And I don't really know why he's feeling good about it because from my perspective, I got the better deal. I, that's what every transaction ever, that's how it is. When you buy a cup of coffee for $5 from Starbucks, some people would rather have the coffee than the $5. Now that doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't understand that, but some people do. And that's totally fine. In fact, Starbucks doesn't understand that because they'd rather have the $5 than the cup of coffee. So it's like everyone walks away feeling good. And then I, then I, you know, I go about my merry way. I do whatever it is I'm going to do with the 200K. And then I, a few, few, few uh, months later, I, I look uh, at my old neighborhood. I go back. I have a little nostalgia. I go back, and it looks like they fixed up my house a little bit. Or maybe they knocked it down, and they, they're rebuilding something else on it. And all of a sudden, it, it's on the market. And I'm like, oh, wow, let's just, let me see, let's see what's going on here. And they're selling it for three hundred dollars or $400,000. Now, I might feel like I got bamboozled. Maybe they knew something I didn't know and stuff like that. I might feel in my heart like, man, I should have held on to it. I could have had $400,000. But what's that feeling that I'm feeling, right? Like if I get angry and I'm starting to scream like he's doing you know what I mean like some kind of deranged socialist what's that feeling that I'm feeling I used to feel this feeling all the time it's called covetousness it's called greed because a minute ago you were happy with what you got and now today, I put a little work into it. I had the ability to, to, to see. I had, I had a skill set that saw this value for what it was. You didn't have it. But did I rob you? No, I didn't rob you. No, I didn't rob you. I'm kind of speechless, guys. I'm kind of speechless because just the, the, the economic, this is, this is, this is an unbiblical way to look at economics. Like there was a parable about this, right? You remember the parable of the of the vineyard workers where each, you know, he goes out to the, the master goes out to the square. He sees idle men and each man, he says, go to my field and I'll pay you a certain amount. And then the what happens is that the people that, that worked in the beginning, they get pissed. They're mad about this exact thing because the guy that got hired at the end got the same money they did. And, and the, what does the master say? He says, didn't you agree with me? You thought it was a good deal. You thought it was a good deal. So so why so I'm giving you what you what you're owed. We we talked about this. We made a deal. 
maybe there's something I'm missing in this example. Maybe he's talking about something specific where the, the person lied to the person or extorted them in some way. I, I don't know. It seems like there must be something missing here. The story he's telling where he's getting all, you know, like that. There must be something I'm missing because he can't be this ignorant about how prices are set, um, how real, the real estate values. <laughs> oh, man. Like, like, can you imagine being so angry? Because he's angry here about someone flipping a house. <laughs> like, and somehow flipping a house is unjust. So, 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 so the idea of I bought a house for 100K, I put 50K into it, now I'm selling it for 300K. Like, you don't understand how that works and that's somehow unjust. Putting a certain amount of money into a house can sometimes increase the value more than the amount of money you put into it. Like this is this is real estate 101. Like like you don't have to even know anything about real estate. All you have to do is watch one of those stupid flipping shows, those fantasy shows, to know that 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 there's there's sweat equity that goes into it. There's know how. Like there's entire YouTube channel. Oh my goodness gracious! You don't have to be, you don't have to spend money on college. To, to know how this stuff works. Like there's YouTube channels, free content that'll show you for your buck, what's the best thing you could do to your house right now to increase the value more. So you put in a hundred, let's just, this is just, let's just use fake numbers. You put in a thousand dollars into your house and it raises the value $5,000. And that knowledge that you know what to do, like for example, you don't put new windows into your house because it doesn't really increase the value too much, but you might put new, you know, something else into your house, right? That knowledge is worth money. That knowledge is worth money. And so just because you're too covetous to, to, to understand that that knowledge and that time and that effort and the risk involved in that whole thing is worth money doesn't mean you were ripped off. That doesn't mean that you're owed reparations. You be nice. Be nice, AD. Be nice. Wow. Um, let's end the video there. <laughs> I think I might need to calm down. Uh, anyway, I hope you found this podcast video helpful. We're going to continue this. Hope you found it helpful. God bless. Don't forget to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.